not just score the first three rounds. Attention. Look at the stare of the champion against the challenger. The irresistible force meeting the immovable object. This is InTheFight.net's In The Fight show on Sportinarium Radio, talking MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing. Follow the show on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at ITF Show. And now from Philadelphia, Doc, Brett, In The Fight. It's Wednesday night. You know what that means. This is In The Fight.net's In The Fight show on Sportinarium Radio. Sportinarianradio.com, presented as always by Michael's Glass Company, 215-338-3293 in the Philadelphia area. The Paul's Table, 7 East Lancaster Avenue in Ardmore. The Paul's Table.com, a modern Italian steakhouse. And in and TKO Store, T-E-E-K-O Store.com for In the Fight Show merchandise. Very, very soft shirts. You should go buy like 20 of them, people. 20 of them. It's a good okay. number. It, it was a good. It is a good number. I'm Doc. That's Brett. I got to tell you, I want to start real quick in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and the chaos that I saw on the internet on Fight TV in garbage back alley mud, you know, junk wrestling, game changer wrestling. I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. It's death match. They have a death match element. Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder had people throwing shit at him. And it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. I haven't seen it in a pro wrestling environment in a long time. Since you've done it. That is true. Since the ECW South Philly screw job. But these people were were legitimately angry. Not that we weren't in South Philly the night the big show won the ECW title. Uh, This was just a lot closer quarters. It was, um, I saw the replay. It was rather remarkable. Look, uh, I think... It's G. This is a win for the promotion. We're talking Absolutely. about it. Everyone Everybody's else is talking, talking about it. About it. Right. This is the biggest news in the professional wrestling industry this week. It re- it really is. And it, it, you had Matt Cardona on Busted Open Radio talking about it, uh, and they were talking. They busted open, r- led with it, and there was an interesting tweet by Dave Meltzer, uh, re- essentially calling on the fans that were there for throwing the stuff in the ring. Now, I, I equated it to somebody. Someone's like, well, you never want to throw anything at a ring. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, shit happens sometimes. I don't know what to tell you. Should you be throwing pizza cutters? Probably not, but that's the environment there. So someone asked me, they're like, well, what would it have been like? I'm like, Jerry Lawler winning the ECW championship in the ECW arena in 1996. Yeah. Uh, first, let's let's go back one quick statement you made. Should people be throwing pizza cutters? No. I have a bigger issue. How do people with pizza cutters get into said venue? So Game Changer Wrestling is, I, I don't want to call it, it's not an offshoot of Combat Zone Wrestling, but that's where it gets its lineage from. Yeah. yeah. So it was always, well, it was an ECW thing. You know, bring bring your own weapon. Bring your own weapons. And, and legitimately, like CZW, I can remember going to CZW shows in 2000, 2001, down in Sewell, New Jersey. At whatever, I forget the name of the place they used to do it. And people would be walking in with, with weed whackers, you know, sawzalls. I'm like, what the 
What but how does the venue here? allow it though? If you're paying, if you're paying money, I guess if you sign the, the promotion must sign you some kind me. of way. I was going to say me. the promotion must sign some kind of waiver that it has to, because otherwise, if someone were to get hurt, killed, maimed, whatever, a whole, it's like a whole, they call it hold harmless, right? Yeah. Uh, the venue is, is saying, "Hey, we got nothing to do with this. We're just here." Yeah. That, it's pretty remarkable, but yes, going back to your statement, um, look, I I think Meltzer is being a little too sensitive. I'm not saying that that behavior should be encouraged, but in the world of professional wrestling, there is, um, you know, this has happened. So, and it's supposed to evoke a strong reaction. That's the whole point of the genre, right? So. I'm perfectly. I I don't want to say okay with it. It is what it is. I don't want because saying okay with it means like yes, I'm happy. It's you know, nothing that we haven't seen before. Yeah, and when I mean that, I mean you go back to this is a, a bully Ray said it on Busted Open. I think his exact quote was, "This was some territory. This was some territory shit. This is yeah. stuff that used to happen all the time that would that made people love." pro wrestling when i saw it the first thing i thought of that immediately popped into my head was that the chair throwing incident at the ecw arena with, with funk sabu or yeah, foley foley yeah, yeah throw me a chair okay here comes 50 of them I, I mean do we want to be throwing full bottles of beer first off drink the beer it's probably 15 bucks for that beer in atlantic city so drink it number one i mean jesus christ why are you wasting it do we want to be throwing pizza cutters not necessarily. Nobody tried to pick up a whole row of chairs and throw it, so I guess it's, you know, positive. That's true. Plus, you know, I think Meltzer's also forgetting, you know, uh, Mike and I, you, we've always talked about how much I love, my favorite thing on the WWE Network is slash was, because now we're on Peacock, which sucks, the Legends of Wrestling Roundtable programming. And you talk about those guys. I mean, Michael Hayes, I think, once got attacked with a knife. And Freddie Blassie, who we may have killed, uh, God rest his soul. I mean, wasn't he stabbed? This has happened literally for 100 years in the sport of professional wrestling. My thought on it is Dave Meltzer is not in the GCW circle. That's and, not, it's not his wheelhouse, and 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 that pisses him off. I'm sure so he's got a shit on it. And kudos to to Game Changer Wrestling, based in Haddonfield, New Jersey. Uh, maybe in a PO box. I don't know. I mean, it, <laughs> there's no way they have an office there. Let's just get that out of the way. There's could be, no could way. be someone's basement. That's an well. That is a good point. They have yeah. to be getting funded from somehow, and yeah. that would make sense. Yeah, uh, that would be a very nice basement then. Uh, maybe. It depends. The, I've been in some of those basements before. Tight squeezes when people set their their heaters on fire. Anyway, never mind. The one thing I would say is real quick. I, I didn't mean to uh, interrupt. I, the one thing I really appreciate from Cardona is you know a a heel who's embracing heat and who's welcoming heat. That's something that the industry has missed for a long time. Absolutely, he's come out and and said, "I'm not doing that ever again." Well, you're the you're the the the, the world champion of a uh, air quotes a death match company, and well, nope, I'm not doing that anymore. 
I'm their champion, but I'm going to do my thing. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I'm interested in seeing what happens this week on Dynamite. Tonight, does Cardona get involved in the Jericho-Nick Gage match? It's going to be interesting. Uh, but look, I, 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 I popped for it. Everybody's talking about it. I think we should embrace it for what it is as a pro as pro wrestling fans. Not not everybody has to like it, but yeah. from a pro wrestling perspective, it was pretty cool. I haven't seen it in in a long time. Yeah, absolutely. It it, it, I, it gives a, a a purpose to some of the to some of the excess violence. It does. And now let's see what happens here. Maybe with a guy, maybe more eyes coming on the product, which was probably the point here right yeah. you want to put eyes on your product you want pe more people to buy the next event or whatever or go to it there's room in wrestling for multiple organizations now just the way that the world exists with fight tv and all that stuff could there be a spot in this world for i call it an ecw like program i think there could be where you have some of the craziness but really good wrestling too and these guys maybe fill that void just a little bit. Yeah, I, th I think so. I think, and we've talked about this many times, and this was the same issue with CZW. I think that CZW and the current iteration of it, as we'll call it, um, it's more just typically it's gratuitous violence without storyline. That's where ECW, right. there was... There was a reason that someone lit a table on fire. There, remarkably right. enough, that's because a story actually built to it. Exactly. I yeah. agree with you. Before so. we get on to our three of three down coming out of the weekend, uh, what did Conor McGregor do now? Yeah, you know, I honestly, I think Conor finally hit the new low point. So immediately after UFC 264, uh, Habib had tweeted a bunch of things, congratulating Poirier and everything. And he said, good always defeats evil. And Connor last night, amidst I believe uh, last night or the night before, he went to a Justin Bieber concert. But during that, had a tweet storm with his. He went with his family. He had another tweet storm, and he just said, "Well, then is he just said COVID's good, father evil." And he's taking a shot at Habib's uh, father dying from COVID. Yeah, look, um, it's just it's just look. Yeah, you know, that gets people punched. You, you know, you know, not you, because but you you've heard stories where when people say things such as that, it gets them beat down on the way to the school bus, kind of thing. That's not good. No, that, look, that's we don't want to be. You shouldn't be taking shots at, at people who are no longer here, and that that's just disgusting. You know. Um, Look, I'm not saying that, oh, that means that everything he said about Poirier's wife is above board. I'm not saying that. This is, it's just, come on, Con. I mean, Connor used to be, it, 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 the Mystic Mac thing I loved. It was, it was Ali like, but in an Irish, with an Irish tint. And it was, it was cool. It was, you know, like when he said he was going to go into Jose Aldo's favelas and take over. Like Has he's he not, become a character of himself? Like, you know, it, you're, it was natural before, right? Like, it was, an, it was an extension of who he was amped up to 50. Yeah. But now it's taking who he was amped up to 50 and saying, well, I got I to gotta make it 100. I think so. I think it, he's just trying to go for shock value. He's just – sometimes I think he's even trying to psych himself up. He, he lost that – he lost that mojo. 
He lost that gift of gab. He no longer, he just does not have it. Maybe he should should write the notes on his wrist. Look, that worked. It did. It It did. did. I had no problem with it. I had no problem with it either. Uh, Let's get to it. Three up, three down coming out of the weekend. UFC Vegas 32. I'm going to let you take over here. And I believe we're going to have some Olympic discussion here as well, since Obviously, there is combat sports in the Olympics. Yes. And we're going to have a little discussion on that a little bit further. But give me your three up, your three down. Yeah. So first, I just want to quickly say this was, as I had mentioned last week, this card was an incredible card. Unfortunately, we did lose the co-main event of Aspen Lad, Macy Shazan, um, due to Shazan having an injury. Nevertheless, it was still a great card on paper, and it actually lived up to the hype and exceeded the hype in reality. This was, for anyone who has ESPN Plus who did not watch this, I would highly encourage you, even with spoilers, even with knowing the results, I encourage you to go back. So three up, three down. Number one for up has to be TJ Dillashaw, the returning former champion, defeated Corey Sandhagen, via split decision, um, it was, I mean, look, how can you not appreciate what this guy did? Even if you thought Sandhagen won, the guy has been off for two years. He gets his knee wrenched the end of the first round, sustains a nasty cut, proceeds to have one of the fights of the year, and ended up, again, even if you disagree, it wasn't a robbery. It was a close fight. So some people may score for Sandhagen, some people for Dillashaw. Dillashaw ended up defeating Sandhagen and is now probably has put himself in position to fight the winner of the Aljamain Sterling Peter Yan rematch. So it's just an incredible comeback. Do they run it back at any point? Do they run this fight back? Yeah. This fight. You're going to see this fight at some point. I'm putting on my uh, Swami hat. You're going to see this fight with one of these guys as champion. I don't know who it is. One, look, this was the reason I call this, you know, of course, we all like the, everyone loves the Rock'em Sock'em Robot fights, right? Uh, Leonard Garcia, Chan Sung Jung, Gilbert Melendez, Diego Sanchez. This wasn't that. This was high-level mixed martial arts for five rounds at a very torrid pace. There was strategy. There was groundwork. There was, I mean, first round, you had Corey Sandhagen landing a flying knee. He then leaps over TJ Dillashaw and ends up, in an inverted triangle, almost choking out TJ Dillashaw. That would have been the most amazing thing of all time. I mean, think about it. It's like Jorge Masvidal, what he did against Ben Askren, but then leaping over and submitting a guy with a choke. Unbelievable. It it was just so high level, and these guys were going after it. TJ had a compromised leg, the cut. So there there was the violence, but it was also there was an artistry to it. You really, I don't see how anyone could come away from that fight and and not say that mixed martial arts is a fantastic sport. But yes, they will run it back. And I mark my words, one of them will be champion when they mark when they run it back. I guarantee when they run it back, it is not going to be on ESPN Plus. Well, it'll be on ESPN Plus, but you'll have to pay for it 
through pay-per-view. I'm guessing. I'm yeah, I would say it'll probably I you know, a year and a half from now, two years from now, I think one of these one of these guys is champ and the other one the number one contender. Who else you got? Three up, three down. So my number two is Macy Barber. And Macy Barber, as everyone knows, came to the UFC via Dana White's contender series, came as the youngest fighter ever in the UFC. She had this whole thing. She was going to be the youngest champion ever. She, you know, obviously fights in the women's flyweight division. Uh, She's coming off two straight losses and a torn ACL. And it looked like she was actually going to have her third loss in a row against Miranda Maverick and somehow got a very controversial uh, split decision win. But this, this keeps the hype train going. I think, frankly, the UFC probably was a little happy about this, even though, you know, I think if you were to pull 100 knowledgeable MMA fans, at least 99 would tell you that Miranda Maverick won and not Macy Barber. It, you know, Miranda Maverick dominated the first round. Second round ended it by taking Macy Barber's back. And it finally was the third round when Macy Barber suddenly woke up and started started the fight. And I don't know how that earns you two rounds. So it was... It was a disappointing performance, but she won, so it doesn't matter. The win saves everything. It saves the hype train, saves everything else, so it keeps her going. Yeah, I agree with you watching that one back. Uh, Again, we can talk about judging, uh, and we do fairly often, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what they were watching. No, look, going real quick, going back to Dillashaw Sandhagen, you can make an argument for both. Oh, I don't sure, see. Yeah, I don't see how you can make an argument that Macy agreed. Barber won two of those three rounds. I I, I agree with you. And yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. As a judge, so you're on. You're surrounding the cage. You're actually watching the action in the cage, right? You're not watching the monitor. I believe you're told to watch the cage. Yes. I wonder if it makes a difference if you watch it on a monitor. Oh, I definitely think so. And um, I also think that's one thing that people at home don't take into account because I like Mike, we've been to fights together and, and we were not we were not privy to be being sitting cage side. But even from where we were sitting, some of the shots that may seem kind of innocuous at home, we hear the impact. Right, you know, a shot to the body or a kick to the legs. So sometimes we can't, we at home can't necessarily gauge the impact of the shots, even though you're, you know, world class cameras and sound setups. It's different when you're watching it in person. Agreed, agreed completely. Who else do you have trending upwards? So my last one, there was a lot. This was actually tough to narrow it down from this card, but I had to give it to Darren Elkins. Uh, Darren Elkins, who defeated uh, why the name is escaping me, uh, Derek Minner, excuse me, via second round TKO punches. Darren Elkins is just a guy who every fight, it is literally the same thing, which is the first round he typically gets mauled. He gets cut wide open, bleeding profusely, takes the best of everyone's punishment, somehow survives. And then just slowly advances and and wears you down because you've spent all your energy beating on him. 
and then he survives and wins, and he did it again. I mean, it's it's really inspiring. He's kind of he's the closest thing to Rocky without the championship component to it. I mean, he literally he takes you know he takes the beating and keeps moving forward because that's how winning is done. That's very well done by you right there. What yeah. Rocky, what what Rocky would he be? What, you mean out of the movies? Yeah, you got you you have to you have to say all right, we got Rocky 1 2 3 4 5 Balboa. We don't have 5. We have 5. No. Bal- Bal- Balboa, I guess so I guess he's more was- like Rocky and Creed. <laughs> okay. Then. No, he's he would definitely be Rocky Balboa. He, he would be the Rocky of Rocky Balboa because he is he, and I mean this with all due respect to his abilities. He is never going to be a top five contender, and frankly, his best days are actually behind him. But he he literally takes all you can uh, give him, and will you know hangs around until you've depleted your gas tank, and then keeps moving forward, and finally stops you. I mean, literally. So he his nickname is the Damage, right? And Mike, I'm sure you've seen. He's got a tattoo on the middle of his chest that says Damage. He it, it perfectly encapsulates his fighting style: sustain damage and then give it out. Rocky Five is a good movie. No, it's uh, not. who do we have? We have a bonus feature here because of the Olympics. So you, you said, "Hey, I'm going to throw a bonus thing in there." I said, "Good, do whatever you got to do." Yeah, absolutely. Look, we, I, I, you know, as you said at the top of the show, I think we have to uh, pay respects to those Olympians who are competing in the combat sports that are offered during the Olympics. So, shout outs. My winner here is Anastasia Zolotic, who is the first ever American gold medalist in Taekwondo, a female, obviously. She competed and won the 57 kilogram uh, tournament within the Olympics. And so she's America's first ever gold medalist Uh, for our UK fans. I apologize. I did not look up to see if there were any UK Taekwondo uh, medalists or because typically I know those two are our two countries are not as strong in that uh, martial art. So we got, we got more Olympics to talk about in a little bit. Oh, we're going to move it to three down, three trending down. But before we do, uh, listen to this program. You are right now on Sportinarium Radio. We are also available in podcast form. But on Sportinarium Radio, we are join, we join the legs of Tom Bryce and the Sports Report, Sit Down Marks, the Wrestle Rewind podcast. We have a lot of things going on in Sportinarium Radio. Tommy Bryce has been going live, which is – he was messing around with it, said, I want to see if we can do it really, really well. It was fun shows to listen to. So when he goes live, be sure to to listen. Be sure to get involved. I know the guys, I think, from Sit Down Marks are going to be doing a live program. Uh, somebody here has been approached us of doing a live in the fight show. So we are working on setting that up as well. Hey, maybe we can do a live Goal Line Stand show. Goal Line Stand coming to Sportinarium Radio September 3rd with our big kickoff show. That's all football all the time. American football for those of you over on the other side of the pond. We're not talking soccer. Brett and I are not equipped to really to do that. It'd probably be very, very bad. It would it would be entertaining, but bad. 
it, it probably would be entertaining, it, it, but you know, cause we'd all we'd equate it to a football game or something like that. And they'd be like, listen to these, listen to these two uh, blokes talking about it. Yeah. Right. Is that, or is that an, is that an Australian thing? Bloke? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe in honor of our UK fans, whenever we describe a, a score, if someone gets shut out, we'll say like 21 nil. There we go. I was watching masters of the universe revelation. It is the, the, comeback of the he-man saga masters of the universe and evil lynn is voiced by a british chick mm. and she dropped bullocks you know balls yeah in this show and the show was fantastic they got some great slang terms on the other side of the pond you know i've always wondered so americans find british accents both to be very intelligent and you know both males and females find male and female British accents sexy. Is it the reverse true? Or do they just think we sound like a bunch of ogres and cavemen? Uh, so when I say you're going to have some water ice, do you think they're like, oh, my God, that South <laughs> Jersey filling up your accent is so sexy. I just want to throw him on a bed and then take care of him. I don't think so. I think they're probably like, what the hell is going on? And then you, and then when you hear like the Texas and Southern twang, they're probably like, Jesus Christ, get me the hell out of here. Or the Boston yeah. one without the or art. Bo yeah, yeah. The, uh, the Boston one. Oh, by the way, thanks for reminding me. You mentioned Boston. Melinda's coming back. Oh, yeah? Yes. Melinda from I, from Real World Austin is coming back to uh, uh, the Challenge All-Stars. I'm very excited for this. I meant to tell you about it, and I completely forgot. But this has thus reminded me. So you should watch it now. Oh, that's yeah. That's that's still a hard no. Why? Because <laughs> I'm just not. Now yeah, I'm just I'm doing it out of spite now. All right. Would you agree though that in Guido Mania two on the most recent episode <laughs> of Jersey Shore Family Vacation, the turnbuckle spot with Mike and Ronnie was very good. It was very good though. They should have brought like a fake wall or something. Or yeah. Um, situation should have come out with a neck brace yeah i thought that maybe he would maybe he would come out with the neck brace but it, but it wasn't happening yeah and then take it off you know the whole swerve so it would have been a good swerve he, yeah he should have came out with the neck brace the sunglasses the whole the whole nine yards there should have been a heel turn during the match yeah who would you have had turn heel though paulie i think paul dj paulie d would have been a good heel turn you should have turned on Vinny just like he did when he went when he became not single yeah, there you go. That works. Or you just have Uncle Nino turn on Vinny. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> Uncle Nino is the is the heart of that show. And then and then Vinny has to join the Kiss My Ass Club of of Uncle Nino. That would that would that would, that would be that would, that would, that would, that wow. Now we're booking uh, Jersey Shore, which is it's, it's okay. We yeah. got to bring Schnucky back. It'll be fantastic. Schnucky, Schnucky. Oh, okay, Schnucky. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right, three trending down. Who do you got? <laughs> uh, first one is Kyler Phillips. Uh, this one's more of an unfortunate, uh, just real shitty luck. So he was originally supposed to fight uh, Rafael, Rafael Sansao, who pulled out about a month ago. And uh, then uh, Raluyan Pavia, who was a featherweight, stepped up. And they fought. In the first round, Phillips dominated. Literally, I, I actually thought they should have stopped the fight. Pavia actually survived and was able to uh, you know, sort of implement his offense and come back the next two rounds. 
and they they actually scored the fight for Pavia. So Phillips lost. I thought it actually should have been a draw. So not only did you lose a high profile, uh, you lost out on the opportunity for a high profile fight. You then fought a less uh, a last second featherweight who beat you and you got robbed. It was just a tough night for Kyler Phillips. But not necessarily his fault. No. Well, I mean, look, I mean, you, you got to win. You can't leave it in the hands of the judges. That is true because you play to win the game. Exactly. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not dropping Herm here. Okay. Uh, who's, who else you got? Trending downwards. Uh, number two would be Ian Heinish. Uh, Heinish lost via TKO to Nazardin Imavov who is another Dagestani fighter, although he actually trains out of France. He trains with Cyril Ghosn's uh, camp, who very good kickboxer, actually, which is you know typically the Dagestanis are wrestlers. Nevertheless, returning to Heinish, uh, you know, this is a guy who's formerly ranked. He's now in another two-fight losing skid, one and four in his last five. I think he has unfortunately sort of hit his ceiling. We thought maybe this guy might be a contender, and it's looking like that's not the case. Your third trending in a negative direction. My third is Jordan Williams. Another this uh, last this past weekend was definitely a card filled with a lot of the Dana White contender series alums. Uh, this guy is very promising uh, fighter. And he had a really interesting story. So he, I believe, is diabetic, and he was so low on money and didn't have insurance. He was using dog insulin for his ailments. I don't know how that works, but nevertheless, um, you know, going back to, so he very promising fighter. I actually picked him to win and he got really destroyed, outstruck, out muscled, out grappled by New Jersey's own Mickey Gall. Uh, so Mickey Gall, not only defeating one CM Punk, but Jordan Williams as well. Mickey Gall, yes, he did defeat CM Punk, but he's probably not going to be getting paid like CM Punk is going to be getting paid. We'll get to that rumor and innuendo a little bit later on here in the program. You have an Olympic loser. Yeah, so th- I mean, this is, I guess, the the downer moment of the show and a little bit serious, but the my Olympic loser, and I apologize for not maybe pronouncing his name right, is... Feti Nareen, he's an Algerian judoka who was competing in the 73-kilogram competition. Uh, He removed himself from competition because if he were to win his preliminary fight, he would have then had to face an Israeli judoka named Tohar Butbol. Apologies if I did not uh, pronounce that correctly. Uh, He claimed he was doing it in support of Palestine, claimed that Israel is an occupation in a lawless country. Uh, this is not the first time that, that something like this has occurred. Actually, Iranian coaches in the past had previously forced their judokas to withdraw from competition to not face, in order to not face Israeli athletes. Uh, they were actually given a lifetime ban by the International Judo Federation, but then that was retroactively downgraded. Uh, look, I, I'm look. I guess full disclosure, I'm Jewish. Nevertheless, I believe this is incredibly the the israeli-palestinian conflict is a very sad conflict uh on both sides and i believe that there are voices to be heard and discussions to be had uh i do think nevertheless that you know claiming israel is just an illegal occupation of lawless country that is i vehemently disagree with that 
Also, I do believe that the Olympics is an opportunity to come together in goodwill and sport. Um, you know, I remember watching the documentary one day in September about the 1972 games and the Munich massacre. And prior to that, one of the Israeli athletes, it was actually one of the coaches, the fencing coach, um, he was talking about an opportunity he had to sit and have lunch with a bunch of Lebanese athletes. And he was with his wife and his wife was like, why do you want to do that? And he's like, because this is exactly the opportunity to get to know people who we typically may, you know, sh have struggles with. And, and, you know, these are the things that end wars is the opportunity for dialogue. And I think this is very short sighted. Uh, and, you know, I'm as a Jewish person, you know, we face this all over the world and I think it's really sad and I, you know, wish that people would just come forward and compete. And again, it could open dialogue and that could open different opportunities. So uh, shame on Fedi Nareen and anyone on the Algerian team that was okay with this. What is Algeria? What's their, their stake in the game? Well, it's... Um, Look, so you know what I mean, like from a from a geopolitical kind of standpoint. Like, it's, I didn't expect it to be an Algerian guy. So there is a because the Israeli Palestinian. I mean, it is the most complex conflict because there's both a religious and a secular component to it. So from the religious aspect, it's typical. Algeria is a is a Muslim country. Palestinians are Muslim, so it's standing with other Muslims. Then, uh, so North Africans, I guess, standing with Arabs, there's that component to it. But obviously, Palestinians view themselves as a distinct ethnicity. Um, yeah, again, it's very confusing, but, and there's also an anti-Semitic component to it. It's just, you know, screw Jews. And again, it's all unfortunate. And I, I'm not here proclaiming anything I'm saying Israel has a place in this world. I, I do believe Palestine has a place in this world. I, I, I hope that they could one day, one day be a peaceful solution. Um, but, you know, actions like this are not going to get us there. Let's move on to lesser sensitive, heavy things, so to speak. And sticking, yeah. sticking with the Olympic Games, though, uh, we were discussing this. And is it time? So the Olympics have become this weird thing. We were talking about it. I'm all pissed off that the real Godzilla didn't show up at the opening ceremonies. And no, I'm not talking about Hideki Matsui. I'm talking about a guy in a costume of some sort lighting the Olympic flame with his atomic breath. It should have happened. It was a lost opportunity. It's bullshit. It's bullshit that it didn't occur. Like, I don't know who booked this shit, but that should have happened. And on top of it, I couldn't get the, I couldn't get the audio because my other computer is on the fritz. Oh, well, by the way, speaking of who booked this, yeah. do you know that the, the guy who uh, directed, created, and directed the opening ceremonies was fired for making anti-Semitic comments? Oh, no, I did not. Yeah, so what schmuck a, and an anti-Semite. They should bring a Japanese guy in. It's their production. I don't, well, they, they hired outside. Do you remember when Pride back in the day used to do, they, they would do the, 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 the 3D graphic thing? Like yeah. WWE is doing it now, yeah. With entrances, Pride was doing that. Oh my! Wow, wow. they've been gone for 15, 20 years at this point. Yeah, uh, they were doing it then, and it was kind of neat. Like you would be like, "Whoa, is it snowing?" 
inside of the Tokyo Dome? Like, what is happening here? They, they should have hired those guys. And then on top of it, they missed an opportunity to have Nobuhita Takada doing the drums in his diaper. I don't think they Nothing call it a diaper. Says more Japan than a guy with his ass cheeks hanging out, banging a big drum. Isn't it called a gong? I think the gong is like the metal thing. This is a big drum. It's a drum. Oh, yeah, you're right. This is the drum, not the metal thing. Who has that drum? <laughs> Iowa, State, Iowa State have a drum like that? I know Gallaudet does. Well, yeah, but they're deaf. That doesn't count. But no, they need Now it. I've just yeah. alienated the deaf. I don't mean it like that. No, but they need it in order to hear. Yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm just they saying. feel. I'm just saying it would have been a good opportunity to have Nobuhita Takata doing the the intro, and then you you brought up a great point: the the the, the woman. Yes, the pride announcer who would have announced the, uh, the the countries as they're marching into the stadium. That would have been cool. It would have been really cool if I was able to get the audio clip so everyone would remember. I will find it. I'll get it. I'll share it on our social media. Further expanding though on the Olympic Games, right? We got wrestling. We got boxing. We have judo. We have karate and taekwondo. Right. right. There's things here that I think like, I'm surprised jujitsu has never made it in. Yeah, I, I, to me, I think, and we talked about this off air. I would just do a just do submission grappling, so that way it encompasses all the different um, martial arts into this component so you could have and i would do a gi and a no gi competition that way you could have for the gi competition you could have bjj competitors you can have uh judokas you could have sambo athletes and then no gi that'll allow for catch wrestlers and things of that nature so that's what i would do it would be interesting i think it would bring a whole different element to a fans because there's enough of a hardcore fan base to watch it Remember, I think it was a few years ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago now at this point, Dana White was really hammering home the point of trying to get mixed martial arts as a whole back in the Olympics, calling it pancreation. Do you remember that? Like, yeah. Why? I wonder why something like that just didn't take, even if you do it in a quote-unquote amateur, like with amateur rules, meaning you, you have the kick pads and maybe the headgear kind of deal or you know, the, the thicker gloves. It just never took off. Yet we have skateboarding. No, nothing against skateboarders. A, a, a goofy three-on-three game that they don't That's even play. Awful. That they don't even play right. It's terrible. Like who does that? Why are they running around the, the three-point line like that? It's it's really bad. You have to go back to the half court, and 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 reestablish everything, and then move back up. Uh, I don't know. The one thing I would say is if there were a more advanced amateur circuit in MMA that would result in, I guess, an Olympic appearance from Dana White's perspective, it would delay fighters and talent from coming to the U S or turning professional. Well, who says that they have to, we're beyond that, right? We have pros fighting all the time. Yeah. You're, you're a guy. Here's a prime example. I'm George St. Pierre. I can't fight in the UFC, but I'll go fight for Canada in in whatever. Well, no, he he's 
contractually obligated to the UFC, which is why he wasn't able to fight, box Oscar De La Hoya. I yeah, don't I think know, he, but that's boxing. This is, this is Olympics. This has got to be different. I don't think so. It's a combat sports endeavor. Bullshit. He's not getting paid. I don't. I don't think that matters. Daniel because White. it could hurt his image. Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess it could. Uh, let's move on. Let's preview. We got another UFC. Uh, UFC Vegas. UFC Vegas thirty three. Uriah Hall, Sean Strickland. Let's run this thing down. Yeah, you know this is uh, it's an it's an interesting event. I, I Uriah Hall, I think <clears throat> you know this is a middleweight matchup. This is two guys to see uh, if one of these guys could go on a run to become a contender. Sean Strickland has been a guy who has f- shown flashes of talent against lesser competition, and each time the UFC has given him a step up in competition, he's lost. So now they're doing it once again and seeing, all right, are all the you know the pieces in place now? Can you really go on a run? Uriah Hall, has, look, we've all been aware of him ever since his run on the Ultimate Fighter in the Jones-Sonnen season. Guy has some of the best striking in the game. With him, it's can he put it together mentally as well as at least have enough of a competent ground game to keep the fight standing. Um, I actually like where Uriah Hall is mentally right now, um, and I think he he really is matured, even though he actually may be a little slower. So I'm favoring Uriah Hall in this matchup. I don't think Sean Strickland brings anything particularly i think he's a good fighter but doesn't bring anything of such specialty to this fight that's going to give hall problems so that's where i think hall i I, you know i I really would like to see we almost saw i mean because he remember he was the one who fought chris weidman when weidman's leg snapped so we didn't get to see hall against a really well-rounded fighter with a great with great grappling i think a win here will sort of set hall up with like a top six matchup, which I'd be really interested to see. What else excites you on this card? So this is a strange card in that if you ask me, so I'm going to tell you about it in a second, I'm more excited generally about the prelims than I am the main card. And I think if I were the matchmaker, I would have set this up a lot differently. But the one main card fight I am excited to see is a heavyweight fight. It was previously booked several events ago because we actually talked about it. It's Shamil Abdurahimov against Philadelphia's own Chris Dockhouse. And I really think Chris Dockhouse can go on a run where I, you know, I don't necessarily know if he's going to be, you know, able to beat Francis Ngannou or Cyril Gan, but I think he's a guy who really could challenge, very well-rounded, sneaky athleticism, because, I mean, you see his his build, and he's not built like a Greek god, so people, I think, immediately dismiss the athleticism that he has, but he has it, and he has power, he has well-rounded skills, and Abdurahimov is a really tough out, so I'm very excited to see that. But aside from that, the, the fights that I'm looking forward to are on the prelims. Uh, you got Munir Lezez versus Nicholas Stolsa. Uh, the first ever female flyweight champion, Nico Montano, is fighting against Wu Yanan. Colin Anglin against Melsik Bagdasarian. Bagdasarian won the contract on Dana White's Contender Series. He's one of the top strikers in the world. Uh, you have my girl, Ashley Yoder's fighting. And then a guy who looks like... So, Mike, did you ever see um, Night at the Museum, the third Night at the Museum movie? 
Uh, you know, I didn't know there was a second night at the museum. Level well, night. So, all, right, all right. Well, there's a guy who in this third one. You all right? So in the first one, remember how there were all the cavemen that came to life? Yeah. Good okay. movie. Yeah. Robin, so the, Robin Williams very underrated in in that one. Yeah, and then in the third one, he says goodbye, and it's like right before he killed himself. It's very sad. Okay, so, thanks for bringing us down. <laughs> so I'm I'm not laughing at that. Um, in the third one, one of the cavemen supposedly, quote unquote, looks like Ben Stiller. It is Ben Stiller. There's a fighter who looks exactly like Ben Stiller as the caveman, Chris Grutzenmacher, who's a very tough guy. I I challenge anyone to go Google him, and uh, you will come to the same conclusion. Any other lookalikes on this show? Not really, but I will, you know, continue to tell people whenever I think there's someone, you know, because we had Jessica I, who is looks like uh, uh, Brie Bella, and you know, I will continue to point out anyone who looks like other people. Fair enough. We got yep. Bellator two sixty two coming up, the featherweight Grand Prix finale. We should be excited. It's a it's a tournament final. I gotta tell you though, man, I, I don't know what it is. Bellator has is losing steam. Um, is it? This is my opinion. I, yeah. I think I think it's the change of ven- of scenery, not the venue itself. Meaning from Paramount to CBS Sports now to Showtime. You know, so I think there's that. I think you know, Mauro Nalo has not been there every week. We don't know why. Hope Morrow's doing okay. Shout outs to Morrow. Uh, I also think it's look, sometimes when you have the UFC does this, when they have a really big pay per view card, they put a really good fight night together. Or back in the day, it's like when they would have the card on Fox the week before. Why? So that you could uh, pump up and promote the shit out of that pay per view. Well, the last two Bellators have really been disappointing. So I think it's just you're kind of in this malaise. Like, if you're a Bellator fan, you're just sort of in this malaise. You know, you had a, an interim heavyweight championship fight that sucked. You had a flyweight women's champion, or excuse me, yes, flyweight women's championship fight that sucked. Now you have this amazing, this is one of the best fights in Bellator history, right? But it's just, it's coming off these two really lackluster events. And by the way, they weren't even week after week. So you didn't even have like a weekly thing to remind you to get pumped for, you know, Pitbull against AJ McKee, which is just such a fantastic matchup. You know, clash of styles, one, you know, proven veteran against upstart young fighter. Father was in the game, just is able to pull off really tricky submissions, solid stand up. Pitbull just being this ferocious fighter. This is a great fight I'm pumped for. But again, I think it's more just. We're coming off the we're in the we're in the mire and muck of the last two events. That's to me, that's the problem. Rundown. So let's you, you mentioned Pitbull versus AJ McKee. You're excited for that. Anything else on this card that has you pump it up? They're not gonna pump it up. You pump it up. Yeah. So again, this I believe is one of the best Bellator matches of all time. Uh Pitbull against AJ McKee. I'm still I still have no idea where I'm going to land in terms of picking for this fight because, as we know, I pick all the uh, main card fights for Bellator at GL Stand Show. Check it out on all social media. Uh, Manny Muro against Usman Nurmagomedov. Usman, I believe, 
It's either a brother or cousin of Habib, but very talented nevertheless. Uh, we have Islam Mamedov against former champion Brett Primus. And then in the prelims, uh, I normally, frankly, don't – I'll, like, sort of check in on the prelims. Uh, Bellator, because, I mean, you have to go to MMA Junkie to go watch them. Um, I, I think they need to do a better job with that. But Bellator is debuting Zabit's younger brother, Hassan Magomed Sharipov. So I'm very – and supposedly he's actually better than Zabit. So very interested to see that. So there's a lot of good names, and I think so. I think you have a really you have a great fight, and then you have to me, I think a lot of showcases for some top Bellator talent. So maybe they should hire me. Maybe they should. Yeah. Can we get press passes then? Uh, let's get to some quick. Let's get to it real quick. Bare knuckle fighting championships, uh, dude. This thing we talk about shit getting thrown in a wrestling ring at the at the top of the show they got people brawling into the into the, allegedly uh, you know fans running into the into the ring like what is going on here yeah well this, I, is, this seems like a feldman thing because he was very involved like that that family i think it's his brother right this isn't damon this is bruce i think yeah i think his brother is the one that's involved in the celebrity boxing but they're big in the philadelphia area for boxing as a whole so they're promoters. We're, we're still still working on getting them on the show. We have a connection. We do have a connection. And but what the hell is going on here? It seems almost like, and not only was this something that occurred this past weekend, but it occurs every event. And then in the crowd, Hector Lombard and Tyron Woodley almost went to blows. So it's it's just nuts. But in the main event, uh, the battle of the knockouts, as I I, I coined it, Rachel Ostovich defeated Paige Van Zant via unanimous decision, uh, avenging her loss to Paige Van Zandt in the UFC. Paige Van Zandt is now 0-2 in BKFC, and I don't know why BKFC would spend money to bring her back for a third fight that she'll lose. I can give you a couple reasons as to why. Now, well, here, look, this is, my, this, was my initial, this was my initial gripe with Paige Van Zandt going into... BKFC to begin. Paige Van Zandt is not a championship caliber fighter, but a decent contender level fighter. What makes her good is her grappling and the way she would mix up things and her ground and pound. None of those things carry over to a bare knuckle fighting contest. She's a grappler. She Maybe should she go to win. she should go to Bellator. Or she could go to Gamebred. She would do better in game bread than she would at BKFC, but she should go to Bellator because God knows they need some excitement there. That's you know? true. And her husband is probably one fight away from a middleweight championship fight. Makes all the sense in the world. And she, she's a better mixed martial artist than she is a boxer slash bare knuckle fighter. It was just a dumb move. What else do we got going on in the world of MMA news and notes? Well, so we have some big scheduling news. So first... Appears UFC 267 is going to take place, I believe, October 30th, scheduled for Abu Dhabi in that Etihad Arena where you had the second of the McGregor Poirier fights. There's going to be two title fights. First um, will be the light heavyweight championship between Mike's boy, Jan Blachowicz, Polish power, against Glover Teixeira. And then we'll also have the Bantamweight Championship, the rematch between now champion Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Jan. 
interestingly enough, because it's in Abu Dhabi, but they are not tailoring this to the U.S. audience, so it's going to be an earlier start time. So in the U.S., it'll probably be, I would imagine, either like an 11 a.m. or 11 a.m. start time for the prelims. So it's actually going to just be on free TV. So this is the first numbered event since, I believe, 138 which will be just a free event in the U.S. market. And I guess for you U.K. fans, it's actually like perfect timing. So it'll be like a regular nighttime event for our U.K. fans, which is good for you guys. Um, And then they just announced, um, I believe, two days ago that UFC 268, which is going to take place in November, they don't have a date yet. It is going to be headlined by Kamaru Usman, against Colby Covington, the rematch. Uh, they are looking and hoping to book this for Madison Square Garden. So should be interesting. I heard Misha Tate might be trying to get herself booked for the Garden, too. That uh, would, that, so, she, was saying that on, she was saying that on the air. Where did I hear it? From him, from her herself? <laughs> a, Misha Tate brings eyeballs, and B, actually from a storyline perspective, makes a lot of sense because it was at – the first ever Madison Square Garden show, UFC 205, where she retired. So talking about coming full circle, I'd match her up against either Aspen Ladd or Arena Aldana. What else we got going on? My boy Stipe uh, flirting with the enemy. Yeah, he Stipe is unhappy. He's had some sent some overtures via, uh, I guess, Twitter. Nothing, uh, no nudes or anything with one championship. He's pissed off because he wants an immediate rematch uh, with Francis Ngannou, which is sort of the same gripe he had when he lost to DC. He wanted an immediate rematch. I mean, he got it a year, like a year later uh, after he took some time off. And I don't know. I guess I guess I have all the respect in the world for D, uh, for Stipe. When he fought DC, he got knocked out in the first round. He never even had to fight anyone else, and he got the rematch. Now, credit to him, BTC in the rematch, BTC in the rubber match. He fights in Ganu, gets knocked out in the second round, and yet he wants another immediate rematch. He never has to go through anybody else. Uh, you know, at least give him, uh, to me, at least take one fight. Take a number one contender's fight against someone. I think I think you, you have to prove something, right? I know, look, yes, he's the... He is at least the UFC GOAT heavyweight. I give him that. Absolutely. I'm not taking anything away from him. I just think you can't always get an immediate rematch. If I'm 1FC, I am trying to get those eyeballs over onto my product. Uh, more eyeballs to come to TNT. That's the home as of now. I wonder if they sh- I wonder if they end up shifting over to TBS along with AEW when the time comes for that because we know eyeballs are going to be going that way at least. At least it sounds like it, allegedly. Yeah, uh, so I, I don't know. Again, Stipe, um, he, he and the UFC do not have the UFC management do not have the best of relationships. We'll see. Uh, real quick, we have uh, a breakup. Yeah, we have a breakup, the biggest breakup ever in the world of grappling. The Danaher Death Squad, the greatest grappling team known to man, uh, has officially broken up. The Danaher Death Squad, the coach is John Danaher, who's the main coach at Henzo Gracie's uh, gym up in New York, put together just like literally a group of killers. Gordon Ryan, who is probably considered the goat of grappling now, um, 
you know, even surpassing like Hodger Gracie. Uh, and then his bro- his brother, Nicky Ryan, Gary Tonin, Nicky Rodriguez, Craig Jones, Eddie Cummings, Oliver Taza. These guys revolutionized no gi grappling uh, and, you know, with perfecting the art of leg locks, things of that nature. Um, so they broke up. The team had moved to Puerto Rico. Gordon Ryan then retired from grappling. He actually signed with one uh, championship where Gary Tonin's fighting now. Uh, but this is in the world of of grappling. This is like a huge, huge. Uh, this is huge news. Uh, my condolences. Yeah. After this show here, you can turn on TNT and watch AEW Dynamite. There is going to be a major announcement from one Mr. Tony Khan. Uh, the rumors are flying. It is either the announcement is either going to be a signing or two, or maybe the introduction of the six man tag team championships. Now, if I had to guess, this is just me guessing, with a big pay-per-view and a bunch of tapings coming up in Chicago and the rumors flying fast and furious, I would think Tony Khan may announce the signing and acquisition of one Brian Danielson and or CM Punk. It's clobbering time. It is clobbering time. I got to tell you, if he's able to pull this... If he's a, I will not believe CM. I believe in. I believe Brian Danielson is going to AEW. I said that all along. It just fit for what he wants to do, yeah. As far as going to Japan and his actual style, people are going to say, "Well, Daniel Bryan." No, 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 nope, no, different guy, different guy. That was a style of Brian Danielson. What Brian Danielson used to do fits what AEW does. I will not believe CM Punk is all elite until he literally shows up in the ring. Can CM Punk and Brian Danielson sell out a stadium? Yes. Like a stadium stadium? As opposed to what? Oh, I, I don't know that <laughs> AEW is at the point where they could walk into... Uh, can, can they sell out of a 40,000-seat stadium? Yeah. Or a baseball stadium? Yeah. That's what I would do. Have those yeah. guys do an Ironman match. Yeah. I Well, there's so many elements to this to this feud yeah that and there's so many other guys i almost slow burn it i don't even bother getting to it people are saying that this is a these are potentially bad signings for aew i i couldn't disagree more this is and well tony Khan playing with his dad's money who gives a shit it's not yours that's the point here you know why else this is great it kills um the bella's show yeah, that's you're yeah, you're excited. Yeah, because you're excited for that because there is no way yeah. that they would be allowed to have Brian Danielson on that program. That's just wonderful. No well, more, no more Giacomo or whatever the kids. I, I, everyone knows I'm a mark for the American Dragon. He was my he was my favorite wrestler coming out of the two thousand the aughts and up to now. So I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see the matchups. I'm glad with all the relationships. Maybe we get an Okada Danielson somewhere along the lines. I think it's going to be fun. Wrestling's supposed to be fun. We're ending this show the way we started this show. Matt Cardona, GCW, crazy, but it was fun. It was cool. The same thing is happening here with AEW. It's going to be fun. It's going to be different. It gives us something to watch every week. I like the six-man tag, too. It'll be interesting to see if they do go that route. On that note... Follow us on all social, ITF Show, at ITF Show, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, in the fight show.net, sportingamradio.com, Michael's Glass Company, 
215-338-3293, DePaul's Table, and TKO Store. See ya.